Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, media personality and author Bill O'Reilly joins us to talk about the latest title in his best-selling killing series, Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Terrorists. Also this morning, to your health, it's great to finally be able to get out in the warm, sunny weather again, but with that comes the familiar warning that you can have too much of a good thing. And happening around town, the Findlay Police Department's 7th Annual Bike Rodeo next week aims to help keep kids safe on all their summer adventures. We'll have details. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, May 11th, 2022. It is eat what you want day today. (laughs) Never mind the diet. Never mind all of that good stuff for you. It is eat what you want day today. Also, hostess cupcake day. You think it's coincidence that those two things fall on the same day? I do not. National Twilight Zone Day. International Receptionists Day. World Ego Awareness Day. (laughs) And... National Root Canal Appreciation Day. So reasons to celebrate today. Observances of note. By the way, speaking of Eat What You Want Day, this is kind of interesting. Um, alternatives to traditional uh, food items are becoming very popular. Talking about vegetarian and vegan, particularly vegan products. Uh Things that are made to taste like animal products but contain no animal products are getting more popular. I'm thinking, you know, plant-based meat and all of that, the Beyond Meats and all of the vegan products. But a study suggests that the label of vegan might backfire in certain cases. Specifically, researchers found that consumers expected certain products with a vegan label to automatically taste bad. (laughs) there's there's this association with uh, vegan products and a lack of good taste study focused on randomly selected vegan products um that are randomly vegan products rather uh which they define as food products that are vegan by default rather than being formulated specifically for the vegan market which is kind of interesting and the results show that manufacturers might be making their products more appealing to vegans with their vegan labeling, but this risks losing customers who do eat animal products who might decide not to buy because of the vegan label. Does that make sense? Things that are just vegan that have nothing to do with animals and are labeled as vegan just because they already have nothing to do with animals. Hostess cupcakes, for example. (laughs) No, but you you get the idea there are certain things that are uh, plant-based, uh, that are that are vegan by default, and uh, yet still, uh, even though they're not specially formulated to be animal-free, people have this negative connotation just to the label vegan. Uh, study authors also write, we recognize the risk that consumers will be misled into unhealthy overconsumption of respective products due to biased healthiness and sustainability inferences caused by the vegan label. So just kind of interesting. And you know what? At the end of the day, eat what you want. That's the uh, point of the day today. 
So uh, this is kind of interesting. You know, the big story in the news over the past couple of weeks has been that leak from the Supreme Court of the preliminary ruling in the case that could overturn Roe v. Wade. And so the question of a woman's right to choose has all of a sudden once again been thrust front and center. And this I found to be really interesting uh, research company Innerbody Research. Uh, has uh, done a deep dive on this, and they find that since the prospect of outlawing abortion has been in the news and the possibility, even the likelihood that it, at least about half the states in the in the country would immediately or very soon after a reversal of Roe v. Wade uh, make abortion on demand illegal in their respective states. The number of online searches for information about vasectomies has soared. (laughs) Uh, Since the leak of that Supreme Court draft that suggests that the nation's highest court is poised to overturn the nearly 50-year-old Roe v. Wade decision that legalized abortion nationwide, Interbody Research says that daily searches about vasectomies jumped by 99% since that leak was published. Specifically, searches for the questions, is a vasectomy reversible, and how much does a vasectomy cost, increased by 250%. By the way, yes, in many cases, a vasectomy is reversible. Interbody research researcher uh, tells today parents, men are joining the conversation around reproductive rights, and some are stepping up to help prevent unwanted pregnancies themselves. So... Talk about your law of unintended consequences. Did you see that coming? I I didn't, but I'm not surprised now that I say this. So uh, warmer weather. Have you been out enjoying this beautiful weather that we have had uh, thus far this week? The nice, warm, sunny temperature is going to continue over the next several days. And uh, it's great to see and hear the kids outside playing in the neighborhood. Did you know that uh, science tells us The time of year affects how your children grow. In Western countries, the story says, in Western countries, it has long been recognized that children are more likely to become overweight or obese during the summer months, but a new study finds this could be caused by children growing faster during the school year than over the summer. Huh. Um, Because uh, body mass index is the ratio of body weight and height. Faster vertical growth during the school year leads to increased BMI during the summers. Huh. What causes the strong seasonality of vertical growth is not known, but researchers say it is possible that the demands of the school year alter children's exposure to the daily light cycle, which may cause a seasonal pattern in height. Additional studies Uh, might help answer this question, according to researchers. Children grow more during the school year than they do during the summer, which may be why they seem to put on more weight and become more uh, overweight or obese during the summer. It's not because of a lack of physical activity. It's because they're not growing. Uh, They're putting on weight but not growing in height, which throws the whole BMI thing off. That's crazy. 
Anyway, just something interesting. We head into the warm weather month. Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. Mid- midweek Wednesday. Did you see this? Tens of millions of Americans are set to get cheap access to the Internet. Uh, after 20 Internet companies said that they would sign on to an admi- uh, to an initiative of the Biden administration, the Affordable Connectivity Program was part of last year's trillion-dollar infrastructure package, and the Associated Press reports that owing to these ISPs coming on board, some 48 million households will be eligible for 30-month subsidies for... Uh, internet speeds of over 100 megabits per second or higher, the cost of which the government will fully subsidize. The subsidy will raise to $75 in tribal areas. Uh, Mr. Biden made the expansion of high-speed internet a key campaign pledge and last month told teachers, if we didn't know it before, we know now high-speed internet is essential. Households, it says, will become eligible if their income is at or below 200% of the federal poverty level or if a family member is on the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP program, or receives federal public housing assistance or veterans pension and survivors benefits. So they would be uh, eligible for the subsidized high-speed Internet. I saw a uh, a thing um, I, I wish I had in front of me and I don't. So I'm going from memory. This report that I heard that a large number, a large percentage of the population that does not have access to high speed Internet in this country doesn't want it. I know most of us think of high speed Internet as kind of a necessity in the modern world, but there are a fair number of people, usually uh, older couples, older people. Uh, who just don't see the need. I know my uh, my in-laws uh, don't have uh, internet service at all at their home, and they just don't miss it. When they need to uh, buy something online or something like that, they ask us, well, they and we do that for them. We buy something and have it shipped to them off of Amazon or something like that. Uh, but otherwise, they just don't uh, feel the need. They don't uh, do the computer thing and, and all of that. So I... I thought that's interesting uh, because it does seem to indicate that the numbers are a bit askew when we uh, talk about the penetration of high-speed Internet. When we talk about universal access, we should remember that there are some people who just don't want high-speed Internet access or any Internet access at all. And I suppose that is uh, your choice, especially if you don't feel that it's uh, it is necessary. If you don't have kids, who you know, online learning and online studying and all of that. I guess for some, there is no reason, but that's going to can't imagine, though, not having uh, Internet access uh, these days. By the way, speaking of uh, high tech, did you hear the big news? The iPod is going the way of the VCR and the CD-ROM, and the floppy disk, <laughs> completely obsolete. Apple has announced it is discontinuing the once ubiquitous device, the latest generation of the iPod, the iPod Touch, which basically is an iPhone without the phone capability. Uh, It is still available for sale at Apple stores and elsewhere, but the company says they are not making any more, so they will be gone uh, once the current supply sells out, and that'll be it. Uh, Greg Joswiak, I think is how you pronounce it, Apple's Senior Vice President of Worldwide Marketing, noted 
the ending of an era saying today the spirit of the iPod lives on as we've integrated an incredible music experience across all of our products from the iPhone to the Apple Watch to the HomePod Mini and across Mac, iPad and Apple TV. But uh, that is. It is kind of weird. Uh, the uh, iPod being a thing of the past, just like the VCR. And, you know, pretty much well, a lot of things uh, that we thought were, you know, groundbreaking at the time. The VCR. DVDs are almost uh, like that anymore. For that matter, CDs. Vinyl records made a comeback. I don't think that the iPod is making a comeback like that. But the VCR, the Polaroid camera, and all of these amazing technological advances of their time uh, now just going into the dustbin of history. So definitely the end of an era. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, plenty of sun expected again today with a high of 84. It'll be mostly clear tonight, a low around 60. The Ohio State Highway Patrol says with these summer-like temperatures we're having, they're seeing more crashes involving motorcycles on the roadways. Trooper Gary Odom of the Finley Post of the Highway Patrol says motorcycle safety involves everyone on the road. Just always make sure that you take an extra look just as you see the signs in you know people's yards. Just maybe you know take an extra look before you pull out into the intersection or uh, out here as you're merging onto the interstate to make sure that uh, there isn't a motorcycle you know, in your blind spot. Over a five-year stretch, the Highway Patrol saw nearly 19,000 motorcycle-related crashes on Ohio roadways. The month of May is Motorcycle Safety Awareness Month. Ohio high school sports are feeling the effects of a lack of officials, especially on the baseball field. The Ohio High School Athletic Association says Ohio has lost around 1,000 umpires over the last three years. OHSAA officials say in some areas, one umpire is being asked to call a dozen games in one day. They're asking people to step up to help officiate games. We have a link on the website where you can apply to become an official. Ohio's Republican leaders want to call a timeout in the battle over the state legislative maps, at least until after the midterm election this fall. They asked the Ohio Supreme Court to pause the back and forth with voting rights and Democratic groups. The request came in a legal battle that has left the state nearly halfway into the year without a firm date to hold a primary for Ohio House and Senate races. The Ohio Redistricting Commission voted last week to resubmit its third version of the maps to the Ohio Supreme Court, which had already rejected them, calling them gerrymandered. Dave James, Owen in News. Meantime, the Ohio Supreme Court again has ordered the Republican-dominated redistricting commission to explain why they shouldn't be held in contempt for failing to pass a constitutional state map. Get more on the website. Registration is underway for Camp Fun, a free day camp for area youth who have been affected by family addiction and or overdose. The Fun and Camp Fun stands for Friendship, Understanding, and Nurturing. The camp will be held in June at Camp Barry, a little south of Finley. Remember, you can get more news anytime on our website, WFIN.com. Well, by now, of course, you are undoubtedly familiar with Bill O'Reilly's best-selling history book series, The Killing Series. The new title in that series is, I think, one of the most fascinating of all uh, in the series, and it is Killing the Killers, the Secret War Against Terrorists. Bill O'Reilly, uh, back with us uh, once again. Bill, thank you very much for uh, taking the time. We certainly appreciate it. 
You know, we've uh, talked about this uh, in some of the other uh, books in the series, and I know I've asked you this uh, question before, but for the benefit of of those who uh, haven't heard you talk about this, what makes for a good story in this series? I mean, how do you pick the subject uh, titles or the subject matter uh, for uh, this series? Good question, Chris. Thanks for having me in. Hello to everybody in Toledo. Um, It's all personal with me. And I am a former high school history teacher. Mm -hmm. I taught in a ghetto north of Miami, Florida. And I had to engage the kids who had no interest at all in history. And I did it by telling compelling stories and personalizing all the big names like Lincoln and Washington, telling Mm -hmm. me about what they were really like as people. Yeah. So when I decided to launch into the Killing uh, series, which has become the most successful nonfiction book series of all time, Chris, 19 million copies of my books in print, in the first five days of Killing the Killers, he sold 110,000 copies of the book. Hmm. So the formula that I use is I'm not going to be boring on any page in the book. Every page is going to be interesting, entertaining, and fact-filled. And the subject matter in the past has been um, icons that everybody knows, Jesus, Patton, Truman, you know, killing the rising sun. But this book is the first one that's contemporized. Yeah. So we are all living this history. Mm -hmm. We are all under threat. It from the jihadists. Does does that make researching this book a, a little bit different, putting this book together, given that this is a topic where the history has not yet been fully written on this? Killing the Killers is the best reporting I have ever done in my career. And if you follow me, you know I've done a lot of reporting. <laughs> um, and the way we were able to put this book together was that I got access because I called uh, a number of national security advisors to presidents from Bush the Younger all the way through Trump, and I convinced them to talk to me about what actually happened in the assassinations of bin Laden, al-Baghdadi, Soleimani, the Boko Haram people, and we put together a uh, reportage that no one has ever seen before because all of this stuff is classified. Now, the reason I was able to convince the National Security Advisor to do it was twofold. Number one, I told them I wasn't going to quote them, wasn't going to use their name. I just needed to know what happened. And number two, I was not going to put anything in the book that would make America look bad or put anybody in any danger, which we didn't. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of controversial stuff in the book. However, it's not a violation of what these national security people told me. Yeah. And then what we followed up with is after we finished the draft of the book, we sent it to all of these people and said, if there's anything objectionable or fallacious that's wrong, tell us. And it all came back with, no, you're accurate. So I was able to get the history from the people who lived the history, who are still alive, and then pass it on to the American reader. You, you focus uh, in the book primarily on uh, Islamic terrorists, al-Qaeda, uh, ISIS, and so on. 
there, there's less in, and I, from what I understand, and I've, I've got the book, but I haven't given a deep dive into it quite yet, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, from what I understand, there's less about the, the other uh, aspects of terrorism, uh, earlier forms, Hamas, the PLO, and so on. Uh, why the, the, the focus specific? Is it just because that's the more contemporary, the, 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 the focus now, the, the threat today? No, it's Hamas is not a danger to us. Hezbollah is not a danger to us. Now, we mention those groups in the book, but the, the direct threat, unlike Joe Biden's uh, preposterous uh, position that white supremacists are a big threat to America, they're a threat, but they're not a big threat. Mm-hmm. The FBI has them pretty much contained, but the direct threat is ISIS and al-Qaeda, and to a lesser extent, Boko Haram in Africa. I mean, these are the people who, if they could, would replicate 9-11. Yeah. And they're growing in power because now there's another sanctuary for al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. We all know how the administration botched that. And ISIS is back in western um, Iraq after being destroyed by Trump. They're back. Now, why are they back? For one reason only, they want to kill infidels. And who's at the top of the infidel list? Americans. So the math isn't hard. These people are waiting for their opportunity. And then we tell you in Killing the Killers, this is why it's harder for them to hit us because of our unbelievable weaponry and surveillance in space. And that's a fascinating part of Killing the Killers. What is the when you look at the uh, the history uh, of and the evolution of terrorism uh, in this book as uh, you know in historical context was what is the turning point or what is the the uh, most interesting figure uh, to you where this uh, becomes so uh, relevant and so so much of a threat to the United States is there a, you know what moment is that well. I don't think it was one moment, um, but the Americans had no idea of the gathering threat. Mm. So we all know the threat about Putin. That's easy. Right. All right. Here's Putin. He's, he's the head of a country. The country invades a little country, Ukraine, and Putin's saber-rattling, and I might use nukes, and I might do this. So that's easy. Mm-hmm. But these uh, Islamic terrorists, they are, let's say, they are hidden and the only, the only reason we know about them is because of bin Laden. That's how we open Killing the Killers. So we open with what really happened on that raid. And we take you step by step inside the bin Laden compound in Abbottabad, Pakistan. Now, there have been a, there's a movie on it, there's a bit, but nothing like we have. We have the detail down to the actual dog and how the dog was mm. outside wow. because dogs terrorize Muslims. I mean, that's how lo- how much detail. And then we go into the same detail on uh, Baghdadi, how he raped and ordered the murder of 26-year-old Kayla Muller, an Arizona woman who was working in a humanitarian yeah. capacity. And, I mean, it's just when you read it and then you see how uh, U.S. forces get Baghdadi, You'll be cheering. So it, it, this is a shadowy world. There are no reporters. If you're a reporter and you go near ISIS or al-Qaeda, they're going to cut your head off. Mm-hmm. So there's nobody there. And the only way to get this stuff um, is the route that we took. 
The national security advisors know what happened. They lived it. And now it's in killing the killers. As we mentioned, and, and you were kind of uh, uh, alluding to with uh, ISIS regaining strength, uh, and uh, as we mentioned, the, this is largely a history that is not yet written. It is inter- not yet fully written. It is interesting that this doesn't, I mean, it's not the big story today, obviously, that it was 10 or 15 years ago no but it will are be we, well and that's and that's the and that's the question are we yeah. uh, uh, underestimating this or ignoring this at our own peril well the government isn't and that's why killing the killers is, is kind of an optimistic book mm-hmm. so people think that uh, look the open border biden's policy down there is a catastrophe all right Everybody knows that. Anybody with any common sense knows you can't let millions of people unattended into the United States. Biden's doing it. In that crew, there are some terrorists. The federal government says 42 people on the terror watch list were confronted by Border Patrol. Well, if 42 were confronted, another 42 got in, and then we don't even know about But it's very difficult for those people who are in here to coordinate overseas with command and control in ISIS and al-Qaeda because our CIA and NSA, National Security Agency, is very effective in surveilling. If you make a call today, Chris, to Pakistan, they're going to pick that call up. All right? The mm-hmm. U.S. government is going to pick it up, mm-hmm. especially if you go to Lahore or, or these you know, hot areas where the terrorists are. Yeah. So there's some comfort there. The other comfort is our weapons are so fierce that they act as a constraint against a guy like Putin. Putin knows, and he doesn't have those weapons, neither does China. And Trump invested $1.2 trillion in upgrading the military. Much of that money went to the space weapons. Nobody knows that. And we describe how they work in the book, and you're going to be amazed. So... Yeah. There is optimism that we are being protected, at least from the overseas terrorists, but the open border, and this is not a political book, I don't get into that, but a lot of people ask me in the interviews about it. Mm -hmm. That is a weakness, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, and it is interesting. Uh, There's a a lot of credit from a number of different administrations uh, during the course of the war against terrorism uh, that is given for uh, things that have been done right, and also missteps uh, along the way. Uh, the latest in the uh, best-selling series, Killing the Killers, the Secret War Against Terrorists. We have a link to it up on our webpage. If you want to read an excerpt, again, uh, Bill O'Reilly with us this morning. Bill, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. Fascinating reading, and we hope everybody picks it up. Appreciate the time. All right, Chris. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, after a gloomy start to the spring, suddenly it has warmed up and the sun is shining, calling us back outdoors, and that means it is time to talk about this important subject again in the health and medical file, something that has a much greater impact than maybe what you might realize. Would it surprise you to know that one in five Americans develop skin cancer during their lifetime. In fact, every hour of every day, someone dies from melanoma. It is the deadliest of skin cancers. But what if there were an easy and painless way to get checked right at your dermatologist's office or even at home via a telehealth appointment? Dr. Nicole Tuckman is with us this morning. And Dr. Tuckman, we mentioned the statistics on the number of melanoma deaths. Sadly ironic, since this is a very treatable form of the disease, actually, right? 
Yeah, I mean, what you're saying is absolutely correct. If you if you find and treat a melanoma in its early stage, survival rates are over 99%. Mm. But if you wait till the later stages, and if it's discovered later on, those rates really drop precipitously, and it really shows how important it is to catch melanomas at their early stages. Yeah, uh, it's important with everything, but particularly here, the disparity between the fact that it is such so curable and yet still the deadliest of skin cancers uh, is uh, just dramatic there. So, and, and there are a lot of skin health and melanoma myths out there. Debunk some of those for us. Sure. I think a big one is people feel, oh, I've already had so much sun damage. There's nothing more I can do. Might as well just soak up the rays. And that's really not true at all. About 20% of sun damage is done in childhood, about before the age of 20. But after that, about 10% is done every decade. So, of course, it's, you know, it would be great to start the earlier, the better. But absolutely, at any age, you can decide to be proactive and be careful. And that will that will really prevent a ton of sun damage. You know, that's uh, actually uh, good information to know on a couple of different levels. Number one, for ourselves, number two, uh, for parents of young kids, because uh, this is cumulative over a lifetime, uh, starting early is important. Yeah, and it also doesn't discriminate. We do detect melanomas in younger ages. Um, in, in women between the ages of 15 and 30, melanoma is actually the number one cause of cancer death. So it's really, um, it's really something that you have to kind of have on your radar, even from a young age, for sure. Uh, any other uh, things that, that you hear often in your practice that just kind of drive you crazy in terms of those misperceptions? Yeah, I mean, what, what really is hard is when people say, you know, I didn't come to the dermatologist for a few years because I was nervous that I was going to get a biopsy, I was going to get cut, I'm afraid of needles. And, that, you know, that's really unfortunate for people to be avoiding the dermatologist because they're worried. It's those people who are worried who probably really need to see a dermatologist. And yeah. what's, what's incredible is uh, DermTech has come out with a, it's a smart sticker. And what that basically is, is you're able to sort of analyze a, a mole um, without having to cut it out. So you're really using a sticker that's able to extract genetic information from a mole in a painless way and be able to see if that mole is at risk of turning into a melanoma or if it is a melanoma already. So I- explain how this uh, how this works. As we mentioned, this is, uh, this is relatively new and this can uh, obviously uh, be easy and painless, can be done in the office or even via telehealth appointment. Yeah, and even though it's new, it's been out for long enough that its results have been proven and are, are pretty incredible. If you have a lesion come back as negative, you can be pretty sure, over 99%, that that, is, that, that lesion is not a melanoma. So that's pretty incredible. What, what we're able to do is there are genetic mutations that occur, and they actually occur even before you can see them changing. So a mole could actually look totally fine and not have changed at all, but these genetic mutations have already begun. And you're able to actually detect them on the surface of the skin overlying the mole. So if you place that sticker down, you can see if those genetic mutations have started taking place uh, without having to cut. And more importantly, sometimes even before the lesion has turned into a melanoma. So you're really talking Mm. about getting these lesions very early on. Well, and isn't that, uh, doesn't that speak to uh, maybe not a misperception necessarily, but uh, maybe uh, people don't have the, the full facts because we've often heard if you have a mole that is changing shape or looks kind of suspicious, suspicious, it's time to get it uh, checked out. But as you said, this can actually uh, detect those changes even before they are visible. 
Exactly. And also, you know, when something looks sort of suspicious to a patient, sometimes it could have looked suspicious to a doctor earlier on. Mm. So it's always important to go to a dermatologist for these checkups. Um, But if you are suspicious of a specific lesion and someone isn't able to access a dermatologist for whatever reason, maybe there's a long line, uh, a long waiting time, or maybe they just simply live so far away from one, you actually, Dermtech, who makes this smart sticker, is able to send this to the patient's home and they can actually perform it um, over telehealth under the guidance of a dermatologist. So there's really no excuse now not to get moles checked out. So it is actually that easy to uh, to use that a patient could do it at home in consultation with a dermatologist. How often should individuals be screened? Is this uh, an annual thing? Should it be even more frequently than that? Are there different guidelines based on different risk factors? Yeah, so the general population, starting from probably childhood, should have a yearly baseline exam. And this is a good opportunity for the dermatologist to take pictures of existing moles so we can monitor for any any obvious changes in the moles. However, some people, whether they have an increased risk because they've had a previous history of atypical moles or even melanoma or a family history or even something like fair um, skin, blonde hair, blue eyes, red hair, all those do predispose you. So some people will um, need it more often, sometimes every, you know, twice a year, Sometimes if you have a history or a strong family history, even three times a year. So that can be you know, sort of uh, determined by how high your risk is. So, uh, and again, uh, referencing what we were talking about earlier, that's actually not a misperception that uh, certain types of skin are uh, more prevalent or, or more susceptible to this. So yes, that's true, but I don't want to give other people a false sense of safety mm. because while there are certainly, you know, genetic factors and other factors that can contribute, you know, even by the way, tanning bed use is a huge one yeah. um, that can increase your risk of melanoma. Yeah. But even people who have lower risk, let's say people who are darker with no family history, you can absolutely get a melanoma. There's a strong component of melanoma that isn't even linked to the sun. It's some type of genetic thing that we, you know, we don't even totally understand why some people get it and don't. And sometimes someone can get it on the bottom of their foot, areas that really don't get any sun exposure at all. So while there are more high-risk populations, everyone really needs to be needs to be on this and needs to be getting monitored at least once a year. And real quickly, you know, we talk about uh, getting these things checked out at your dermatologist. Not everyone has a dermatologist, but most of us have a family doctor. Is that a good place to start? Well, you know... It, it, it definitely is, and oftentimes a family doctor can send you to a dermatologist if they feel it's okay. warranted. Um, if you go on dermtech.com, which is the website, you can, though, um, find dermatologists near you that do offer it. But again, you can get it sent to your home. So if it's something yeah. that your primary care doctor doesn't offer, this is something you can actually do at home as well. It's easier than putting on one of those, you know, those tattoos that kids like to put on. Easier. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, again, uh, Dr. Nicole Tuckman uh, with us this morning from the Health and Medical File talking about uh, melanoma, the importance of getting screened for uh, this potentially deadly but ultimately curable uh, skin cancer if it caught uh, if caught early. Mention again the uh, website where folks can get all of this information. Sure, it's dermtech d e r m t e c h dot com. Doctor Tuckman, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. My goodness, we have a a huge collection of uh, broken news this morning. Uh, We start in Florida, because why not? Uh, Woman angered over her neighbor's chicken pooping on her back patio. (laughs) Got a bucket of uh, a bucket of pee from her own bathroom and doused the chicken's owner with it. 
This is according to arrest reports. Uh, police busted Christine Terman, age 57, on a misdemeanor charge of battery after a confrontation late Sunday evening at the Palm Haven Mobile Home Park in St. Petersburg, Florida. Cops say uh, Ms. Terman was mad at uh, Lawrence Stenzel because his chicken was pooping on her back patio. So she went inside, got a bucket of urine from her bathroom, uh, walked out of the back patio and threw the full bucket at Mr. Stenzel. The bucket, striking him in the face, caused him great pain, according to the sheriff's deputy who filed the report, adding that the victim was wet when we arrived and smelled of urine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Things are pretty crazy over there at the Palm Haven Mobile Home Park in St. Petersburg. Um, <laughs> Ms. Terman reportedly admitted to her actions after being read her rights and was booked into the county jail. Uh, Ms. Terman's boyfriend, 59-year-old Kevin Avery, was also arrested for allegedly threatening Mr. Stenzel in the presence of police. So, not a real smart thing to do. What the story does not say is why in the world she had a bucket of pee in her house, just in case, I guess. Because <laughs> you never know when you might need it. <laughs> oh, crazy times at the Palm Haven Mobile Home Park in St. Petersburg. Crazy. Speaking of crazy, how crazy is this from the international file? In Mount Gambier, Australia, man was arrested after leading police on a high-speed chase, during which he uh, had intimate relations with a passenger in the vehicle. <laughs> he got busy with it with a passenger in the vehicle during the high-speed police chase. Joshua James Childs, age 28, was sentenced in the Mount Gambier Magistrate's Court on Monday after being charged with aggravated uh, aggravated escape police pursuit uh, and assault. While the charges were related to uh, two separate incidents, uh, Mr. Childs was cumulatively sentenced for both incidents. But this is the one that really catch catches my attention. Mr. Childs uh, attempted to evade police even after they twice deployed road spikes and punctured all of the vehicle's tires he kept on going at around 30 miles an hour, and during the chase, police witnessed the vehicle's female passenger climb over and straddle Mr. Childs. <laughs> Blocking the driver's view, the female then began um, <clears throat> moving in an up-and-down motion. Do we need to go on? <laughs> he got seven months in prison, by the way. That is... <laughs> How crazy is that? Wow. Well, when the mood strikes, I guess. That's... Man. Um, speaking of road stories, drivers of one St. Louis area street are giving thanks for a mystery pothole-filling superhero. Local news reports say that someone got tired of waiting for the streets department in St. Louis to fill a huge pothole on Roseberry Avenue and apparently <laughs> filled it themselves. The uh, director of the streets department, Kent Flake, says they do have enough money to fill the potholes, but not enough workers or enough dry days to fill the roughly 1,900 potholes that they are aware of in the city. And he warned that residents should not take it upon themselves to do the patchwork, you know, themselves. It's 
<laughs> but residents in the neighborhood, they're just happy it's filled. They don't care whether it's the uh, street department or some pot-filling superhero. The whole thing is a mystery, apparently. Uh, what else is uh, going on here? <clears throat> Sometimes you don't have to go very far. Find the broken news. An Ohio dad has pleaded no contest after his child allegedly took his marijuana edibles to school. The Franklin County Municipal Court Clerk's Office says Scott Macray, Macray is or Macray, yeah, pleaded no contest to several misdemeanor charges, including one count of endangering children. Court documents show his 10-year-old daughter reportedly took several of his 50 milligram tablets of THC edibles and shared them with her classmates last month. <laughs> she, all of the kids are fine. She uh, reportedly thought the edibles were leftover Easter candy. <laughs> Whoops! <clears throat> Dad's got some splaining to do. <laughs> and finally, in the uh, uh, finally in the uh, broken news, uh, this is a follow-up uh, postscript on Mother's Day. Uh, flowers are a pretty standard gift to hand out on Mother's Day, right? But one Catholic school in Philadelphia managed to mess that up when they accidentally uh, sold roses that had red thongs folded inside. <laughs> Those little packages of roses that they were selling is like a fundraiser for the school. Uh, this grade school in Northeast Philadelphia purchased the uh, rose packages, not knowing that they were actually Valentine's gifts intended for adults, not Mother's Day gifts intended for kids to give their moms. The <laughs> Archdiocese of Philadelphia yesterday issued an apology uh, saying that the uh, school took immediate steps to remediate the issue when it became known uh, <laughs> that, the, that they had made an error. Um, the situation represents an unfortunate mistake, and we apologize deeply. We, they go on to say, we sincerely regret any embarrassment and discomfort that was caused and wish all mothers a happy and blessed Mother's Day with our hearts full of gratitude. <laughs> I, I would imagine there were probably some moms who were filled with gratitude. It was a little unusual gift, but you know... <laughs> There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is the sound of a popular American motorcycle. It's the sound of freedom, the open road, really good times. And this is what it sounds like with a drunk guy in it. How do you like the sound of that? Cops are cracking down on drunk motorcycle riders. If you ride drunk, you will get caught and you will get arrested. Drunk riding. Over the limit, under arrest. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Transportation. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. It seems that most American workers are keeping something a secret from their employers and their co-workers. New survey finds 64% overall of uh, employees say they are fearful of being authentic around others in the workplace. 64%. 
Seven in ten say they adopt an entirely different personality when they're at work compared to their normal persona at home. There's a poll of more than 1,900 American workers commissioned by JobSage found that nearly two out of three employees, 64%, have experienced some sort of backlash from their colleagues when a private detail of their life became public knowledge. So what are we hiding from our co-workers and our boss? Although three in four people say their current employer claims to value individuality over conformity, many say they are simply not comfortable being themselves. The most common information that workers hide from their employers, their political views. 37% said that's right at the top of the list. Personal information about family followed closely, closely behind at 36%. Now, that may be just because, you know, they want to keep those aspects of their lives private. It might not necessarily be fear of reprisal, so, so to speak. But uh, one in three also hide their current relationship status their mental health issues, and their religious beliefs. That was right up there. 29% say they avoid revealing their sexual orientation. 24% even hide a disability, even though many employment forms ask about a person's disability status. Uh, Half of those in the poll, 49% say they keep all of those details to themselves, not necessarily because they fear some sort of reprisal from people at work, but rather because they don't want to make others uncomfortable. Another 43% fear that others will stereotype them, and 41% think the information could hurt their chances of advancing within the company. Uh, Four in ten fear discrimination and uh, damaging their relationships with uh, co-workers. Uh, So when do you open up? Do you always keep these things to yourself, or do you reach the point where you feel that you can open up to your boss, to your co-workers. When it comes to feeling comfortable enough to be authentic in the office, one in five say they need, need more than six months before they feel they could let their real personality shine through. So a really interesting survey there, and it kind of makes you, makes you think when you go into the office this morning, you look around at those in the cubicles next to you, and you wonder, what are they hiding? What, what are they not telling me about their personality? Well, with the uh, warmer weather, the arrival of spring, and, well, it seems like summer has even arrived uh, a little bit early now, it is time to start thinking about uh, safety first and all of those outdoor activities. Finley Police Department's uh, annual bicycle rodeo is coming up next week. Help keep kids safe on all of their summer adventures. Finley Police Department Crime Prevention Officer Brian White uh, with us in the uh, studio this morning. This is uh, good timing. May is uh, Bike uh, Safety Month and also Motorcycle Safety Awareness Month. So uh, I guess first and foremost, uh, message number one is a reminder to all of us that we need to share the road. Absolutely. Yeah, create space. Uh, One of the biggest things we can do is uh, be considerate of others, share uh, the roadway, like you mentioned, and Mm -hmm. make sure we're looking out for each other. Yeah. Uh, At the same time, obviously, the uh, mirror image or the flip side of that coin is that uh, bike riders, whether we're talking about uh, motorcycles or bicycles, uh, also have to make sure that they are engaged in safe uh, behavior. Absolutely. And uh, when we're talking about a motor vehicle, usually we have some kind of protective shell around us, Mm -hmm. along with the seatbelt helps keep us safe. When we're on a motorcycle or a bicycle, obviously, we're kind of exposed. Yeah. So 
wearing a helmet is probably one of the best things we can do. Absolutely. So that is uh, message uh, number one. And uh, that kind of leads us to the bicycle rodeo where the main uh, purpose is to impart that uh, safety message. Absolutely. Uh, in May, my presentations for the third grade classrooms I go into is bicycle safety. So this is uh, kind of our culmination event at the end, right? We kind of talk about the bicycle rodeo and employing a lot of these safe practices that we talked about in class. Mm-hmm. So we do give away helmets at the rodeo as part of a uh, state of Ohio's put a lid on it program. They offer us a donation of uh, helmets to give away at the event. And we pair up with several other agencies, such as the OSU Extension Office. They run a obstacle course where we teach kids the ins and outs of bicycle safety, and then they get to practice it, mm-hmm. and they actually get awards based on how well they do. Very and cool. they also get to test out those skills on the roadway with trained professionals. So uh, when you talk about it, as you said, you do presentations mm-hmm. in classrooms, and then obviously the bicycle rodeo, a lot of those same messages. What are uh, some of the, the most important points that you hope to drive home? Well, the biggest thing, it's actually quite interesting. When I do a survey in the class of how many kids are using the roadway, uh, about half the class at third grade. So one, it's really important that they're aware of traffic, right? Mm-hmm. That they're looking out for cars because cars aren't always looking out for them. Right. And two, that they're remembering that they are a motor vehicle as well. So they're required to obey those same laws. We're not stopping at a stop sign, stopping at a light, mm-hmm. using turn signals, which they usually don't think about, right? Hand mm-hmm. signals when we're making uh, turns. Right. And, um, not necessarily required to wear a helmet, but the importance of wearing a helmet just mm-hmm. in case. Yeah. Um, we've talked about this uh, before in that uh, question of sure. uh, riding on the road, riding on the sidewalk. And I know when yep. I was a kid, the advice was stay off the sidewalk, sure. it, uh, watching out for pedestrians. That's not always the best uh, advice these days. Well, we still offer that same advice, right? One of the safest places we can be is out of the roadway, up on the sidewalk, mm-hmm. in an area where there's not high traffic pedestrians right yeah. that, that's really our concern yeah for instance downtown we have a lot of people walking on the sidewalks and that's actually the idea behind these bicycle lanes yeah uh, on Corey street and blanchard street mm-hmm. is to get uh, bicycles around the downtown area yeah so we still advocate for using sidewalks when there's no pedestrians especially with younger kids we don't want them in the roadway mm-hmm. uh, cars aren't always obeying the speed limits sometimes we got faster traffic more cars right it's just a recipe for disaster um and then, but at the same time, uh, obviously there are areas where that's not practical. Some places where it's not even possible. I know in my neighborhood, we don't have sidewalks. So, uh, you ride your bike, you're going to be relegated uh, to the roadway, yeah. in, in the street. And, uh, so you do have to be aware of, you know, those, uh, rules of the road as that, it were. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a few other, uh, tips and tricks that we throw in there as well. Mm-hmm. For instance, uh, bright clothing, right? Make yourself stand out. A lot of times we see kids on bicycle with darker clothing, especially when it's starting to get a little bit darker outside. It makes visibility really tough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they can brighten up their bicycle with things like reflectors on the helmets, on the bicycle, in different places, even lights on the spokes. Lots of different things that they can do. Um the other uh, part of this, and again, the, the bicycle rodeo itself uh, geared for kids. What ages? The, the, the age range that we're looking for is 4 to 12. That being okay. said, we don't turn people away. Right. If, if we have a family member shows up with an older sibling, younger sibling, that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. We're happy to 
have anyone there. And uh, you do need to be accompanied by a parent. That, that's correct. Uh, yeah. There is a uh, liability waiver that needs signed. Needs signed by a parent, and the okay. parents need to explain to the kids the the form which outlines the rules that we're looking at. Yeah, and uh, with that, there is a message uh, for the grownups as well. That obviously, just like with seatbelt laws and motor vehicle laws, when the kids start driving. Uh, the best way that we can imp- impart that knowledge is by setting a good example. Setting a good example and imitation, right? Yeah. Uh, kids are going to do what we do. If we don't wear a helmet, they're not going to wear a helmet, right? Yeah. And if we're not uh, observing the rules of the road, then absolutely they're going to pick up on that as well. So uh, obviously, this is a message not just for kids. And the Bicycle Rodeo is coming up next weekend, right? That's correct. It'll be Saturday, May 21st uh, from 9 in the morning till 10, uh, 11 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Now, we do offer uh, kind of a light breakfast. Uh, so if you come out, you get some coffee, juice, milk, uh, fruit, donuts. Yeah. Of course, donuts. Uh, and it is and it is free. Uh, folks don't have to register or anything. No, no registration is, is a free event. You just bring yourself, bring your bicycle, bring your helmet if you have one. Again, if someone does not have a helmet, we will give them one. Make sure that uh, you – and uh, you'll also uh, take a look-see at the uh, – give the bicycles themselves a once-over to make sure that yes. they are actually safe vehicles to be. Yep, uh, we have several stations. Uh, we have four mandatory stations that they have to go through first, mm-hmm. and that would include – uh, the registration that would include the bicycle licensing. Not that uh, license is required in our city. However, it is a good means to get uh, bicycles back to the rightful owner should they become lost or stolen. And if you've ever uh, gone to one of those uh, sales, you know how sure, often sure. <laughs> bicycles now, does, how many we, of those are uh, are in those sales. Now we don't yeah. uh, do the bicycle auctions anymore. Sure. It just wasn't cost feasible for us. Yeah. What we do with the bicycles instead is we uh, rehabilitate them and we give them back to the community. Oh, that's awesome! But every year we're talking about 100, 120 bicycles yeah, so that we get back, and that's a lot of bicycles. So licensing are those are is right. a good idea because yeah. most all officers they don't have the means to track down the owner without that registration so that's something we do there also the helmet station and kind of what we call road rules right teach the kids rules of the road then they can uh practice some of the stuff they learned on some of the air stations so uh next saturday correct uh at the marathon center correct performing arts uh, beginning at 9 a.m uh we've got a uh, link up on our webpage for more information about the uh, bicycle rodeo uh, from the uh, Findlay Police Department, uh, if you want uh, more details, uh, head to our website at uh, goodmornings.net. Again, the uh, Findlay Police Department Crime Prevention Officer Brian White with us uh, this morning. Brian, thanks very much for dropping by. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Thanks, Chris. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more details on all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the show, the latest supply chain shortage is now causing concerns for newborns. Baby formula is becoming hard to find on store shelves. So what's a concerned parent to do? We'll get advice from physician's assistant April Lee from the Kaufman Health Center. Until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.